Hello, everyone. This is Justin. We have been informed of the recent arrest of a previous guest on our show, Art Anderson. We understand the seriousness of the allegations, but that these are as yet unproven in a court of law. We feel it's not our place to judge, as we do not know any facts. We do not condone or support any of the alleged actions of the accused. We recorded this interview with Art before these allegations became known. We're choosing at this time to leave the interviews up on our site, as we feel that the insight into the hobby provides interest and information on the history and process of model building that we feel is still relevant. However, we do caution our listeners to proceed in listening to these older interviews at their own discretion. Please reach out to us if you have any concerns or questions on this difficult and sensitive subject. Thanks for your understanding and your continued support. Welcome to the Model Car Podcast. I'm Justin. And I'm John. And this week, it's episode 11. We're going to talk about our modeling origins. How are you doing today, John? Not bad, and you? I'm doing well, thanks. We'll jump right into it with a little bit of follow-up. So if anybody listened to our last episode, we had a debate over a hostess. And just for John, I went out to the grocery store and I found Twinkies. We can't get them in Canada, as well as in the U.S., and I think they're going in my bomb shelter for the next 30 years because they're the only things that will survive. Yeah, them and the cockroaches who will eat them up. <laughs> I, surprisingly expensive. I haven't looked, actually, for Hostess products in uh, many years. It's not something that's on my diet, but uh, I was kind of cool and nostalgic to actually see those in the store. I had to, uh, of course, send John a picture of that that I'll put in the show notes. Uh, some, some more serious follow-up model related, uh, Pat Redmond was kind enough to reach out to us and we talked about, uh, chroming and aftermarket chroming, uh, in the last episode, uh, Pat let us know that GT custom chrome, uh, the custom and the chrome are both spelt with case, uh, are, are a chroming endeavor that took over from Bob's paint about a year ago. Uh, according to Pat, I've never used him. He's a little bit slow, but absolutely great quality. Uh, Pat knows him because he's in the same club and the guy's in the Detroit area. We'll put a link to his Facebook group or his Facebook page into the show notes for you as well. And also a quick shout out and a bit of an apology to Les Smurl. Pat corrected us on how to actually say his name. Apparently, Les has uh, got a really neat background uh, and did some work with uh, DuPont Performance Coatings and uh, has a lot of paint knowledge from the sounds of it. He also does a radio show podcast, which you can find on Facebook at The Road Less Traveled. Again, we'll have a, a, a link to that in our show notes. And finally, we had some speculation about the Tamiya 4GT. Well, I found it in a hobby shop. We weren't sure how much it was going to cost. $72, John. Yeah. I had hoped it would be priced a little bit like the NSX was, which came out a year or two ago, and, you know, $50, $55, $60. And, you know, it's, it's a Tamiya. It's worth it, but $72. 
Oh, man. Yeah, I uh, had it in my hands. I looked at it and, and left it on the shelf when I came out. It's, uh, you didn't have to wipe any drool off it? Uh, only a little bit. I, okay. It was uh, it sure looks like a pretty kit, but uh, you know, I've got the I've got the snap kit that we've already talked about at you know sort of two thirds the pr- or one third the price. It's really hard for me, as not a huge Ford GT fan, to to drop that kind of cash on it. Yeah, I totally get it. I mean, I'm not so much a Ford GT fan, but you know, I do have a Mustang in the driveway in, in the summers, and yeah, having a GT another GT kit is nice but 72 dollars however to me we are certainly open to review samples if you want to send them to us yep for sure (laughs) all right uh fresh paint what have we got new from the hobby uh i saw an article or a post on spotlight hobbies from luke jansen's the other day uh it was a link to an article that's in French, so I think John's going to have to translate uh, that. But it sounds yeah. like fat chance. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we, we I didn't give John the homework before the show to translate that into English. Uh, but it looks like Heller, um, which is uh, a French company, I believe, has been purchased by their German distributor, a company called Glow Two B. Uh, I, it is all in French. Uh, I couldn't make a whole lot of heads and tails of it, and I didn't take the time to uh, Google Translate at all. But uh, we'll we'll have a link in in the show notes for anybody that is a little bit more ambitious about that. Uh, do you have any Heller kits, John? I know they're not particularly popular out here, but they they've done a few things neat over the years. Yeah, I have the little Ferguson tractor. Is it? Yep. Yep. Yeah, I have that, and I have a few of their classic French automobiles, like the Chaperon and one or two others. I just can't think of them at the moment. Oh, and their Mercedes (laughs) 540K from the 30s. Okay. The Ferguson is fairly conventionally made. I don't recall about the Chaperon, but the Mercedes, why in the heck would you mold, I think, the hood or doors in clear when the rest of the body is molded in color. I, I just, well, you know, it builds nice. It looks very nice built, but, you know, clear doors or clear hood with a, when the rest of the body is molded in color, that just struck me as, why are you doing that? Yeah, but, that's that's an odd choice. That reminds me of, uh, I think, uh, Gunsanyo. Uh, did that as well with a couple of things. They did the whole body in clear. Yeah, I can see doing a whole body, but why? You know, I, I'm. I want to say it's a door, but it's the doors. But I can't recall as I built it. You know, we'll say ten years ago, and it was just like, why in the heck did you do this? Mm-hmm. This just doesn't seem to make sense. Why would you mold a door in clear and the rest of the body in color? Just to make life difficult. I should go, but that reminds me, I should go, I know I have a couple of their, I have at least one of their airplane kits, and I'll have to go look at that to see how that is molded. Yeah, I've got a couple of their newer kits, well, newer, probably from the aughts. Uh, the, they did a few rally kits, and I'm a big rally fan, so uh, I have a couple of those, and the unfortunate part was, how do I say this nicely? Their bodies <laughs> were uh, almost resin-like in their thickness. Uh, you know, their scale fidelity was definitely not to me alike. It was uh, very, very thick and not nice. 
Um, you know, they, they were, they, they probably build up to be nice, but, uh, I've never actually, uh, built one up. I've kind of looked at them and funneled the plastic a little bit, put them back in the box and said, ah, maybe sometime. Uh, but yeah, I'm, I'm, I, I can't say I'm a, a huge Heller fan, but, uh, they do do some neat things and, and, you know, uh, maybe their German distributor will, will push them in new directions. It's what, regardless of what you think of the actual kit, they're doing stuff that you're not going to get from anybody else. That's true. So, I mean, you know, 143rd or even 132nd scale rally cars. Huh? Okay, that's weird. And they yeah. seem to have started, you know, a modern tractor craze, if you will, first with their little Ferguson, then Revelle Germany's Porsche tractor. Mm -hmm. And who knows what's coming next? Although I can say, I, I'll go public and say, yes, I would love a Ford 8N. <laughs> <laughs> an a10 i'm not sure what that is well it's it's a it's about the same size as the ferguson but it's an actual ford oh, so we're, we're still into tractors okay oh yeah we're still into tractors <laughs> <laughs> sorry about that that's <laughs> ah, okay i was going back to cars going okay uh, maybe that's a history lesson for me <laughs> i i think uh heller does the citroen DS19 and DS21, if I'm not mistaken, yep. which are kits that I would be interested in, but I believe their price is pretty, pretty high, if I remember. I think they were $100 kits. Oh, no, 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 no. Not of those prices. <laughs> uh, yeah, that was it. I've, I I remember growing up, uh, going uh, into France and seeing all the all those Citroens driving, driving around and they were just so cool looking, you know, with their hydraulic suspension that raise them up as you just turn Keep around. your eyes open. I see two or three of those every summer around here, so. I think they've all rusted out here, but uh, uh, we, okay. uh, over, over yeah. in BC, our guys tend to drive their cars all year round. There's not as much of a put yeah. them away for the winter, so I think they, surprisingly enough, they don't age as well. No, I guess they wouldn't, would they? I was just thinking it was more temperate climate, but yeah, that won't work. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the next thing that I saw that was new was AMT's 19, 1977 Ford cruising van. And this is, you know, like the typical late 70s, early 80s vans with the little bubble windows in the back. I, I have no idea how to do shag carpet in scale. <laughs> Any thoughts on this one, John? Uh, you won't catch me anywhere near one of those. <laughs> uh, no, I, um, shag carpeting and scale. No, no idea at all. Wouldn't touch that with a 10 foot pole. <laughs> Although at the time I can recall building a few in the yeah. late seventies, early eighties as a child. I had a, I had a family friend that had one that was, uh, uh, it wasn't quite the shagging wagon, but it was, uh, kind of a family camper style van, but it was all you know, done up in that, that style with, with the, you know, the raised back end. And it was, it was a really fun thing. So I have some interesting memories on that. I, I'm not sure if I'd ever build it, but uh, it looks pretty cool. And it looks very retro. I think it's in their retro series. The box art's really pretty and uh, looks like a fun one. Yeah, it could be. <laughs> Finally, the other thing that I saw was AMT's 1959 Chrysler Imperial. Last time I saw this, I believe it was a Model King reissue. Yep. Uh, so it, it looks like uh, I, I built it. I built the Model King version. I did it in uh, sort of a purpley color with a white uh, top. I enjoyed the build. Certainly the interior of it's very toy-like and very vintage. Shows its age. You know, it's about uh, 
you're never going to get your feet under that uh, dashboard. But it, it was a fun build, and it's as a as a sort of curbside, it sits very nicely. Uh, have you ever built that one, Sean? Uh, I haven't built it, but I do have one or two copies of the kit for, well, maybe someday. <laughs> <laughs> uh, if you need more, I think it's uh, easily available now. Yeah, well, no, don't think so. <laughs> uh, how about you? Anything new from the hobby that you've come across? My mail order shop was waiting for a non-automotive kit before he mailed me the kits he was holding for me. What he was holding for me were the AMT... Are they called garage scenes? Yeah, garage scenes. Number one and number two. They promise more are coming, and after looking at the two I have, I'd say, yeah, I will happily buy more. The the fun part, you know, it, it the tools and etc. are generally nice enough, but it's the decal sheet. One of them has, well, come out of the bag, you. It has, one of them actually has a uh, dartboard on it, which... In my book, well, put that on a small circle of plastic, and there's your perfect three-dimensional dartboard. <laughs> Jackson's new hobby. Well, yeah, Jackson's new hobby, just what he needs, more more distractions. There's oil stains for the floor. There's, of course, lots of AMT logos to use in your garage. There's a tow-away zone sign, gauges for the uh, oxyacetylene torch. There's um, my garage, my rules. <laughs> Fast lane sign, gearhead drive, gasoline alley. Yeah, all those neat stuff, neat things like that. There's even a clock where you have wrenches, separate wrenches, so you can set the time on the, fa on the face of the clock. Oh, that's neat. How do the tools compare to the Fujimis, which I think have been... Uh, well, like, like the Fujimis, you know, I'm going to say that the basic wrenches, the you know, the standard open-end wrench, they're a little thick. Okay. But realistically... What are you going to do? It's it's styrene, and there is a believe it or not, there's a hacksaw in here, and well, the handle is good, the back brace is good, but that blade is, <laughs> I swear it must be an inch thick, and yeah, that's not going to cut a nice little, <laughs> cut a nice uh, line through whatever anybody could be using it for. I think that'd probably be easy to cut out and put a little piece of uh, thread or something in there. Yeah, or photo or a piece of excess uh, photo etch, you know, from the the runner, the tree, or whatever you want to call it. Yep, yep. And the other set has, well, a, a soda vending machine. Yeah, sure looks like a Coke machine, and that's what they painted as on the box. And they have cans of oil meant to go in a cardboard box. Okay, that not the cardboard box is plastic. Looks <laughs> a little thick, but they include, and obviously this is where half the expense of this darn kit is coming from, is the decals, because they include decals for... Golf, Pennzoil, a second set of golf decal, uh, uh, cans for Supreme Oil as opposed to regular oil, STP motor oil, and, well, like I said, <laughs> that's not cheap. <laughs> no, that's actually pretty cool. I uh, have, have looked at them, but I haven't actually uh, purchased any of those. I might have to take another look at those. Yeah, no, no. boy, I'll have to yeah look more at this later. <laughs> ah, sounds cool. Yeah, unfortunately, the price was, you know, the far side of $30 Canadian. And is it really my money's worth? I don't know, but I got a soft spot for garages, so, or garage scenes. Yeah, I'm just wondering if you can convert that uh, Coke machine into a beer machine, and it looks a lot more like the bar, uh, the garages that I know. Well, yeah, there's absolutely no decals. Coke or otherwise? 
in no there's absolutely no decals for coke or otherwise oh yeah and there's a uh, there's some little people that come with it too and they include uh, name tags put on their shirts <laughs> which is you have to admit that's kind of cool i wasn't expecting that i looked at that and i said what is this and oh crap it's a name for to go on their shirt oh that's cool nice that's, oh okay that's neat i'm gonna have to do a little bit more looking into those oh wait a minute there is Okay, there are decals. Like I said, it looks like a Coke machine. But it says Swell O Cola. Okay. <laughs> and it's only ten cents, so <clears throat> dating itself. Dating itself. And yes, and believe it or not, there's another way to date itself in that box too. There is a payphone to hang on the wall. <laughs> a what? A payphone. <laughs> Yeah. Oh my God! I can recall seeing that design when I was young, but well, <laughs> Bell's not using that anywhere. Yeah, I can't remember the last time I saw a payphone out here. Oh, I can take a oh, give me ten minutes, and I can go get you a picture of one. <laughs> Does it work? As far as I know, I've never used it. <laughs> I think that's why they just got rid of them here. the The maintenance was too expensive. Yeah. Oh, actually, yes. Give Give me ten minutes, and I can go get two different uh, payphones. Wow. Because there's one at a corner store, and then a block away, there's one at a gas station. Yeah, so that, there's a challenge. Everybody find your local payphone and see if it actually works. Yeah. <laughs> okay, uh, what have we been working on? Uh, I I saw that you've got a couple of things that you've finished since the last time, uh, and I'm not sure what you've started on as well. Well, I finished off the 70 Plymouth Roadrunner in uh, Moulin Rouge, or... Panther Pink is, depends what you, you know, if you're a Dodge guy or a Plymouth guy. I also finished off my, uh, a new kit for the new year. That, <laughs> that seems to be rare in Canada. Ravel's 1968 Chevelle SS396. And yeah, that was, that was a fun build. <laughs> nice. That was the triple black one, right? Uh, that's right. Triple, triple black, about as mean as, about as mean as a junkyard dog. <laughs> How did, uh, th those are both the new kits, right? Or the, yep. uh. How 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 was the fitment on that? Uh no wait whoa whoa the Chevelle is a new kit the Roadrunner the Roadrunner is not a new kit <laughs> very old kit <laughs> God yeah I had zero you know I'd heard of problems with the uh, tight fit towards the end of you know fitting the the chassis and interior into the body and I had zero oh that's good problems with the kit so excellent I don't know maybe I got lucky maybe the other guys aren't well pardon me maybe they're not doing things right but. Regardless, it was fun. Good. Good. It, it, it looked nice. I saw, I saw the photos of that. It looked really good. Thank you. Have you started anything new on your workbench to replace those? No, well, sort of, but it was a weak moment. <laughs> the As I said, my mail order hobby shop had been waiting for a kit before he sent me the garage scenes, and, well, I'm the right age, and, well, I'm into Star Wars, and Bandai does some beautiful kits of various things from Star Wars, and he, we'd been waiting, believe it or not, two months for wow. the distributor to get the kit. So it got here, and I just happened to look at it Friday, and I looked at it again Friday, and sometime on Saturday I said, that's it, I'm building them. <laughs> <laughs> it was uh, the uh, accommodation kit of two starships, the Millennium Falcon and the Blockade Runner, known if you know, and if you know what you're talking about, it's the Tantive Four from the original Star Wars movie, uh, Princess Leia's 
starship. And the first ship that I think you see as uh, Star Wars Episode Four starts, the one that flies in above yeah. you. Yeah, the little white ship that, ship that flies in over your head and is pursued by the uh, massive Star Destroyer as that rumbles onto the screen. <laughs> Excellent. Yeah, first time I've ever seen a kit of the Tantive Four, so yeah, I said I have to have this. And okay, so they both individually will fit in one hand at at a time and. Yeah, but they're nice. <laughs> I literally built the Falcon in less than an hour. The Tantive Four took a little bit longer. Bandai, Bandai makes them so that you're not supposed to be gluing them, but, well, come on. I've been building models since I was eight, so, yeah, they kind of had to get glued. Do you build those more like a military-style kit where you actually assemble them and paint them after? Or Yeah, that that's what I did. <laughs> There's no clear parts, so... <laughs> There was no reason not to, and the way that it's designed, it's there's details that go around the edges, if you will, and you, especially with the Falcon, you, they're anchored partially by the fact that they're snapped or pressed into the lower half of the hull, then you put the top half of the hull on, and mm. the only way they're really going to stay, so yeah, build it military style. <laughs> All right, sounds cool. Uh, we will leave any further talk of that for our spinoff series, uh, Sci-Fi Kids. <laughs> yeah, there we go. <laughs> All right. Um, my progress has been fairly weak again, so we'll just kind of skip over that. And get on to our main topics, which is our origin stories. So, John, because I know you've been building a little more seriously for a little longer than I have. How did you get started in in our wonderful hobby of Model car building. Well, would you believe it all started because of one of my teachers in elementary school? Hey, really? Really? Of course. Now you have to remember we're okay. I'm going to date. I'm going to date myself here, but this would have been in the 1970s before video games came into it. Came in. Came on the scene, and my teacher noticed that I did not have very good hand-eye coordination and. Part of that, I think, was due to the fact that Dad wasn't playing ball with me, but he couldn't. He wasn't allowed. He had a uh, artificial heart valve, and he had to be careful as to uh, when it came to his exerting himself. So, as as that is, you know, I I guess I sort of suffered a little bit. But uh, she suggested, if you can't do that, then maybe this. How old would you have been at that point? I would have been about eight years old. So okay. I've been building steady since I was. Eight and well, now I'm. <laughs> I have more than forty years' experience being eight. So, did you take a break from it? I know a lot of us uh, no. built as kids. No, and... no, 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 no. I never stopped. All right. So the teenage years were kind to you then, or unkind, depending on how you look at it. <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of challenging when you know you're sixteen, seventeen, and. The girl you had a crush on, the the the, the family says, "Well, we're going to move to Ontario," and. <laughs> and again, this was back, you know, before, before certainly well before Facebook. And <laughs> yeah, yeah, there things was... <laughs> were a lot different. Ha handwritten, yeah, a lot different. Post, handwritten letters. Yeah. Remember those days? Handwritten letters sent by the by the mail, but you know they didn't know where they were going, as far as I know, and to this day, haven't found her by, <laughs> by looking on Facebook. So, yeah. <laughs> Oh, okay. Well. <laughs> yeah, that's cool. Uh, so did you get into building model cars right away or were you building different things? Uh, Dad started me off with a few airplanes. Mm -hmm. 
and I can vaguely recall the first two. Don't ask me which one of them was the first, but they would have been the Testers Hawk 148th scale F-84 Thunderjet and F-104 Starfighter. And of course, both were supposed to be in bare metal finishes, and well, that meant Testers Silver. Oh boy. <laughs> I would imagine if I still had them that they would be dry by now, but... <laughs> I wouldn't handle them for too long. You might still get thumbprints in them. Yeah, you might still do that. Oh, well. What are you going to do with that? Uh, yeah, no kidding. Oh, that's, that's interesting. My, my story as a kid was a little different. I got into model kit building. Uh, back in England, they, I think they were probably Airfix, probably 143rd kits. When you went and filled up with gasoline back in the mid-70s, they would you could get this free giveaway, which was this little bagged kit with a, a little cardboard top on it that had kind of the instructions written on the inside of it. And they were the old vintage kits. Um, you know, I, I don't even remember what they were. You know, I never painted them. I just kind of threw them together as a kid. And and that was my introduction into cars. My dad was a one-to-one car fanatic. He had some really neat cars growing up as a kid uh, that I get to see him work on and cuss at and all the rest of it. Uh, I built a little bit. Uh, as I got older, I got into figure uh, military figure kits. I had friends that were into those. And then as I got into my early teens, I discovered uh, M80s and uh, firecrackers and all of that. So my buddies and I used to build model planes and load them up with things that went bang and throw them off the, pl- off the roof of the houses. Uh, and watch them explode. <laughs> yeah, and I would have been shot, tarred, and feathered if I'd ever tried that. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> I, what could I say? I had a misspent youth. Uh, but uh, we, had, we had some fun. Uh, I didn't really get back into model car building seriously until I was an adult. So I, I missed all those times that you must have spent at the bench and, and into the great hobby. Uh, I didn't really get back into it until 97, so uh, a little bit of a break for me. Good God, yeah, okay. <laughs> yeah, and, and it's funny, my my background, I come to model car building from the one-to-one kits, or the one-to-one uh, real cars. Uh, my <laughs> One-to-one kits, yeah, some people do that with their cars, but... <laughs> well, I, I had, when I was, how old would I have been? 19 i i bought a mini cooper and spent uh many many years uh wrenching on that somebody had bought me the tamiya mini kit and i knew i didn't have any real skills in doing that so i went to the local model store which happened to be you know a five minute walk away back in those days and then Sort of the mid '90s, every toy store had a model section. That's true. And I picked up a, I picked up a couple of other kits. I picked up a Ford, uh, what was it, a Ford uh, GT350, and from like the mid '60s, I picked up a, a an '80 or '90s uh, Chevy Corvette, and I built those. And yeah, I still have them. They're kind of rotting away in a dusty shelf somewhere because they were just atrocious. You know, the glossy insides and the not so glossy outside. <laughs> uh, everything that you could possibly do. You know, I built like an eight-year-old kid when I was in my late twenties. Oh yeah, but you you didn't know any better, so yeah. Who's it's not wrong? You just didn't know any better. 
I didn't know any better, and I but I caught the bug. I really enjoyed that. I just finished university and was looking for something to do. I didn't have a project car at that point, so and I was living in an apartment, so this was kind of perfect. Yeah. You weren't going to have a project car while you were living in an apartment either. <laughs> exactly. So uh, that was how I kind of got back into it, and uh, a lot of it has been based on my own love of one-to-one cars. You know, uh, whatever I try to have, I've got the kit for, even if I've not built it. Uh, and that that's really what brings brings me into the building model cars. It's all the cars I can't afford to have in in full size, but I can have in in a scale. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah. What was your favorite uh, subject matter growing up? Were you were you specific or what, were you all uh, over the airplane airplanes and military? Believe it or not, although I actually as a real as a really young kid, if it was a model, it got built. <laughs> I didn't really care. <laughs> Do you still have any of your of your uh, early model kits? Uh, I have a Rebel Germany Kenworth truck cab that dates from 1980. Oh wow! It needs a little bit of attention, but it's still not bad. <laughs> it's uh, still yeah. around, and I'm not going to get You're rid almost, of it. Uh, that's really cool. That's neat. I, and and most of those, I guess, have just kind of gone the way of most uh, kids' toys and disappeared over the years. Yeah, some have, some haven't, but yeah, in general, anything since, I've kept everything since becoming an adult, so, you know, it, <laughs> becoming an adult, but what's an adult now? We'll say the age 18 when I discovered Scale Auto, Scale Auto Enthusiast. Mm-hmm. Oh, no, wait a minute. Not 18, 20, 20 or 21. It was 1989 when I discovered Scale Auto Enthusiast. All right, that that's neat. So you got into probably more higher level building, polishing kits and things like that quite a bit before I did then. Oh yeah. That was one of the first things I can recall. You know, first, the first thing was bare metal foil. Uh-huh. And then when I heard of a polishing kit, well, I got to find a polishing kit and <laughs> I got my polishing kit. I believe it came from model empire at the time. So. Oh yeah. I remember them. Yeah. <laughs> That's a name I haven't thought of in many years. Uh, they show up every year at NNL East in case you want to make the trip. <laughs> They're still still around. That's cool. Yes, they are still around. They actually they have a website too, but uh, it seemed a little complicated to use. <laughs> I, I you know I looked at it just for fun. Oh well, you know, I've seen easier websites to use. I think is what I said to myself. And <laughs> that's that's interesting. I, I, they I, are they still a brick and mortar store? Or are they mostly oh yeah oh yes still? oh yes oh yes oh yes they were still a brick and mortar store. It's, you know, it's, <laughs> I believe they, they show pictures on the website of their shop and, oh my God, <laughs> I've died and gone to heaven. <laughs> All right. Well, we'll have to find a link of that and put that in the show notes. Uh, so what you, you started building, what paints were you using back in those days? Well, I'd never, as I said, I never really stopped. So I went from use when, oh, I go back to 983, 84, whenever, whenever Fine Scale Modeler started publishing, I got into it fairly early on, and I was always seeing ads on the back pages, on the back of the page from Tamaya, and that was about the time they introduced their line of acrylic paints, and I said, this, I love this, I don't know where, or ask me where I got them from, I haven't got the foggiest, but I got them somewhere, and I have used... Tamaya acrylics religiously for the past 30, <laughs> yes, 30 odd years. 
I, and you got, did you get into airbrushing quite early then? Or uh, because I don't think their lacquer acrylics came out until later. Oh, I don't know about that. I know I, again, going to 2021, maybe 22 years old. Uh, wait a minute. Think about it. It was MPC's 1988 116th scale Corvette convertible. I bought it in a can of Tamaya spray paint from the Hobby House in Ottawa hmm. on a trip there with a friend. So you tell me. <laughs> I don't. I don't remember when their spray paint came came out. I just know I had it from that point on. Okay, I didn't get into it until probably the early two thousands. So you got into okay. it a little bit earlier than I did. As for airbrushing, airbrush, ooh, airbrushing, that's a darn good one. It would have been a few, you know, sometime in, we'll say by 95. I don't know. Okay. And sort of stumbled around with that until somebody taught me exact. I was getting okay paint jobs, especially when they were polished with the polishing kits mm -hmm. until, but I still didn't really think I was doing that good of a job until somebody taught me how to paint properly. And that was 2005, 2006, so. Okay, so you had some fun playing around in the meantime. Yep. Lots of experimenting. <laughs> I found out what didn't work. <laughs> yeah, it's it's funny. I'm just trying to think of my own history. Did you did you ever um get into model clubs? I, I'm not sure out in your neighborhood if there's even such a thing. There are there were there was a model club then there and it lasted till well, I don't say it was there from straight on but i can recall going to a show fairly early on and it was done i don't know if i recall if there was a club at the time but there it was done by local guys in the sherbert quebec region and i know after that you know a few years later you know, well, there's a show here and there's a show there so i started going to that to that show and another local show about well almost an hour away and I know at some point a club came into being, but you also have to remember that I am, I'm the odd man out, if you, if you will. I am English in French Canada, and if they weren't deliberately trying to include me, well, then I, <laughs> I didn't get the advertising. I don't recall about a club ever, you know, ever hearing about a club looking for members or, you know, we were meeting here if you want to come drop by or whatever. I'm not, you know, it wasn't deliberate. It just, if you knew the right people, you got the information. Mm -hmm. Did you did you have any friends that built when you were growing up, or was it just uh, solitary? Well, yeah, sure. When <laughs> when we were all in elementary school and even into high school, most most of my friends all built, <laughs> and I'm the last one. <laughs> the sole survivor still standing. The sole survivor, yes, that's a good way to put it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's that's interesting. Oh, I'll be chuckling about that one. <laughs> <laughs> okay that's that's pretty neat uh so uh, what i guess you know sort of thinking about it just in timing your friends probably dropped out i would guess in probably their mid-teens so probably 85 well, mid-teens or yeah mid-teens or, or you know at university age so Okay. Because I know by the, you know, if you're going to university, you probably don't have time to build models. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And then, and then that must have been a few years before sort of the internet came and you kind of built that, that community that's available from, from sort of online networks. Uh, how, how was that for you during that time? Was that, uh, was that just you on your own with, with no club support or was there, 
yeah, that would have been just me without, well, myself, Scale Auto Enthusiast, and <laughs> and mail order. <laughs> so you were the guy licking the uh, the stamps into the back of the uh, the envelope to get your catalogs. Yeah, I was, <laughs> and I might still have some of them, some <laughs> some of them hanging around today too. Wow. Have to, yeah, yeah, I have. Yeah, okay. I, I know where they are. <laughs> I had to think for a moment, but yeah, I know where they are. That's that's neat. Mm. Uh, what did uh, uh, the hobby shop scene look like back in those days for you? Was there, I, I know at the moment there's kind of what, 45 minutes an hour away to your nearest hobby shop. Was there anything closer back in those days? I know you're still in a small town, so maybe, maybe not. Yeah, in well, in the 70s, of course, models were very popular. I know there was, well, we won't call it a hobby shop, we will call it a model shop. <laughs> that was on Main Street. And there later, there was a corner store in, well, on the bad side of the railroad tracks. <laughs> but they had models like you would not believe. Uh, to this day, I swear that store seemed a whole heck of a lot bigger as a kid. <laughs> what do you expect? <laughs> this would have been the early 80s. Oh, they had models that I swear it would have been 20 foot deep, probably 15 foot wide, and the model, you know, the shelves went to the ceiling. Wow. Everything, cars, trucks, airplanes, tanks. If it was a current kit at that time, you could get it there. That uh, takes me back a little bit to my own history when I got into it in sort of the mid '90s. I think '97 was yeah, when you, I started building. You mentioned buildings. those kits in the plastic bag. Yeah, I saw those there. <laughs> that rang a bell when you mentioned that. <laughs> uh, that's cool. I I haven't really thought about those in many years, and those have long since gone. I think we've had three transatlantic moves as a kid since then. Oh so uh, there's no hope of ever seeing those again. No, but. Long gone. Uh, Maybe on eBay, maybe on eBay. <laughs> yeah, I've never looked for them, actually. It's one of those things I've, I've never even thought about. But uh, maybe maybe I'll have to uh, see if I can build one just the way I used to. Now you need to think. <laughs> uh, you know, maybe, you know, all four wheels kind of at different angles just to make it look like I, I oh, did when on. I was sort of seven or eight years old. Come on. Uh, <laughs> one, of my, one of my favorite series of kits when I was at that age was the Monogram 132 Snap Together Trucks. Love those things, and I'm so happy that Ravel has been reissuing them, but they haven't got them all yet. And I want them all. <laughs> I, I got to ask, have you ever gone back to a kit that you've built and still have from when you were younger and rebuilt it using your skills from today? Uh, well, yeah, we do. You and I discussed that a week or so ago. But yeah, it's not so much from my childhood, but from a much younger me, uh, somebody who would have been 22, 23, 20, 25. <laughs> okay, so not young you then. Uh, well, no, that's not young enough, is it really? <laughs> but, uh, yeah, we discussed that. We, you know, the uh, Temai, uh Nigel Mansell right. IndyCar kits, the Lola, oh God, no, they're not even Lolas. And the uh... kid isn't even in this room, so I can't look at it, but... <laughs> yeah the the indycar regardless uh yeah we discussed that and yeah we're gonna have to do something about that but uh the only kit as i said the only kit that's surviving from when i was well before i was even a teenager or was barely a teenager would be my revel germany truck cab and 
Yes, when it came, when it was reissued in the last year or two, I bought one. So in theory, I can replicate what I built in 1980. Cool. I haven't done it yet, but I do have the kit to do it. I, and you were actually correct. It was a Lola chassis. I'm just looking it up. Ah, there we go. It was a Lola T93 slash 00 that was in the yep. Nigel Mansell car. Nigel Mansell, Mario Andretti car from the 90s. Yep, when Red 5 was the driver to beat in both first Formula 1 and then IndyCar. Yeah, that was that was neat. Did you ever ever get to see the him race live? No, I never got to see him race live. You, it's it's about IndyCar. No, it's not even close to me. That would be in <laughs> Indianapolis. But Formula 1 has always come to Montreal and nope, <laughs> never made it to a race there yet. Yeah, I went down to, they were doing the Vancouver Indy back in those days, and I got down to go meet uh, Nigel and Mario and uh, a whole bunch oh, of other man. people. It was fantastic. You get there in the morning and you'd uh, go to, uh, you have the backstage pass or the uh, the pit park pass, whatever it's called. You'd go there mm -hmm. and you just line up at his uh, his trailer and watch them work on the car and he'd come and say hi and sign some autographs. Uh, really, really nice guy. Uh, the guy that really impressed me more than anything else was Mario Andretti, who I, I you know, I've, yeah. I'd seen him race before, but uh, wow, what a great guy to his fans. He was, uh, it was just amazing taking the extra time to be that much of a, of a nicer guy. So, yeah, but uh, Nigel was such a fantastic driver in those days. It was just a lot of fun to watch. Well, part of it was the car, but <laughs> at least when he was in Formula One. But uh, yeah, that's another story for another day for another podcast. <laughs> yeah, definitely they had the best car. But I remember after he did his two years in Indy, he went back for one race and won that race as well. And the car was a lot less competitive at that point. Oh, dang. Okay. I didn't recall that. But hmm. hey, Google can be my friend later. <laughs> Yeah, I, I would have to look up which uh, which race that was, but uh, I think that was one of the Williams competitors either got fired or was injured. Uh, that was back in, I think, the Damon Hill days, uh, which was a couple of years after. I think it was probably, what, 94? But 94, I, 95 at the latest. Yeah, anyway, that, that gets into a little off topic and a little history. Way off a talk of way off topic, but way off topic, way off topic. Well, it's kind of so we'll we'll have to go back and, and build that kit. I've got the same kit, so we'll have to uh, work something out on that build. Yep. Um, what's your what's your history with shows and competitions? When when did you get into shows and when did you get into well, competing? Like I said, shows? I didn't. <laughs> I I don't recall when. Like you know, I I said it earlier. I can tell you exactly. Well, I can't tell you exactly where it was. I know exactly where the show was. If I was willing to pull up Google Maps, I could probably find the name of the hotel that it was held in their in their lounge <laughs> or restaurant or whatever it was. There was only ever one show there, but uh, yeah, it, it was there. That's all I recall. <laughs> wow, yeah, that was a long time ago. <laughs> After that, the local club, when they started having shows, they were having it all in a local, in a Sherbrooke area community center. So yeah, that works. But as to when, I really don't know. God, didn't seem important to remember at the time. <laughs> well, you were young, right, in those days? Well, yeah, 20-something. <laughs> I don't remember much of my 20s either, but those are probably for completely different reasons. I suppose it's a question. The question is, how would I have ever heard of the show to begin with? Hmm. Yeah. That's a very good question. I don't know. <laughs> Can't even answer that one. Boy. 
guess I'm getting old or something. Uh, <clears throat> yeah, short-term memory. Uh, my my history is a little different on that one. I uh, started building as an uh, as an adult builder when I finished university in what ninety seven, and I was building on my own for probably three years, and then I found out from one of the local hobby shops of a club, uh, the Vancouver Model Car Builders. Mm-hmm. And uh, I went to one of their meetings. I, I've been reading Scale Auto, but, uh, you know, more looking through and um, trying to get some tips. And my, my, my own thing was getting a little bit better, but still from far from what uh, it pro- probably would need to be. Uh, in the 2000s, I, I hooked up with the, the local club, met some great people who really taught me more about polishing cloths and all of those little tricks and techniques to make my building get a little bit better. Um, and these guys used to go as a club to some of the local shows. I always remember going over, I think it probably would have been 2001, to Vancouver Island, which was kind of a weekend away with the boys. Uh, we went over to the island uh, on a ferry. It's about a two-hour ferry there. Stayed the night in a hotel. Went to all the hobby shops during the day. Uh, had a nice dinner and a few drinks at night, and then went to the show the next day. And I wouldn't enter anything, of course. You know, I didn't have anything worth uh, worth entering. But that was my very first show, and uh, to see the quality of the models and the uh, the amazing builds that people were having really inspired me. And I think uh, it was after that that I started um, getting an interest in the idea of actually going and competing and showing at uh, showing my work at shows. So really, in the in the two thousands, I spent a lot of time building with the idea of of competing in some of the local shows, uh, and that was yeah, you know, there's pros and cons to to what that was. I was building things with the idea of hitting certain classes. And then a little bit later on, I decided, you know, I really wanted to build just for me. So that was kind of where I am now. I build things I want to build and and don't really worry so much about competition anymore. But uh, but if I happen to have built something that fits into the, you know, into a theme class, cool. If I don't, cool. Yeah. That's how I look at it anyway. (laughs) I'm like that now. I, I did go through a stage, you know, that sort of. I wouldn't say ultra competitive because my attention span for doing those details that you need to be the best of show just wasn't there. Yeah, that happens. <laughs> uh, but certainly in classes, I, I did, you know, fairly well. I, I, I could build pretty cleanly. And, uh, you know, one of the things that I always remember doing was looking at what, at every show, what classes they had and what I could build to fit into those. And, uh, you know, it was it was kind of fun. There was a few of us in the club that were competitive at that time. And I think, uh, you know, it, it was good at the time, but it, it taught me how to how to build and push myself to a certain level. But now I, I think I much prefer going and just having fun. Uh, the last Don't show worry, that I was be at, happy. Yeah, exactly. The last show that I went to, which was an L- NNL style, um, I didn't even bother showing anything. It was... Uh, you know, just one of those things that I, I kind of looked at it and realized I wasn't going to stay for the whole day. And so just kept all my kits in the box, um, you know, which uh, something that, you know, younger me wouldn't have done anything about. They would have been trying to trying to get in there and have some fun with it. Uh, but, you know, I, everybody builds for their own reasons. And uh, I thought I think it's interesting. 
I still like shows. I like the social side of it. More than anything, I like the swap meet side of it, which is a really, really bad habit of mine. But uh, Yeah, that gets expensive fast. <laughs> or at least can. <laughs> I, I'm running out of space to store new kits so until I start building more quickly. So I'm, I think I'm safe for a while. It's one of those limiting factors that... Um, uh-huh. Well, I probably have enough to last several lifetimes, lifetime, lifetimes, but, uh, you know, <clears throat> we're not going to go there. <laughs> no, it's at some point I'm going to have to do a count of how many, how many kits I actually have, but that may be one of those things. Denial is a much better place to be. Yep. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. If you don't know, it can't get you in as much trouble. Yeah. Uh, luckily for me, I, I, I mean, 2000s were a great time to be model car building. There were, in the Vancouver area that I am, there were probably 12 shops at that point. So you could go out on a Saturday and you could spend the entire morning driving around to all of these different uh, model shops or stores that had uh, models in them. And just seeing all the different stuff they had and where they were getting new stuff. And, you know, uh, they pull out stuff that was in the back room that had been out of production for years. And it was just, uh, it was a really, really fun time. And then over the years, unfortunately, we've seen a a lot of those closed down. Um, I think there are, there's really only two model car or model shops uh, three of them, maybe. I think there's one out uh, in the valley. But there's really only two of those now that I'm aware of. No, three of them. Yeah. So we, we have a few, but they've they've really cut down in their in their size. What, what's been really good, though, is because of that, one of the guys who is a car guy himself, he's got a nice custom 32 uh, Ford himself in a one-to-one. Uh, he's He actually really does a good job of keeping model car kits uh, stocked and uh, bringing in a lot of product to support the model car uh, in, in, you know, the, the hobby in our area. That's really lucky for us. I don't have to do a lot of stuff mail order. And that, uh, that makes my life a little bit easier to have such a, a, a great resource locally. But yeah, definitely a whole lot different than it was uh, 10, 15, 20 years ago. Yeah. That's going to be nice to have that sort of selection that, that easy being I'm out in, you know, rural, Rural Southern Quebec, and the ho- the closest hobby shop is literally an hour away when you consider putting on your pants. So, well, putting on your pants, you know, jacket, boots, shoes, whatever, and yeah. And shovel in the driveway because you live out in the cold. Yeah, that's true. Luckily, no, I won't say anything, but I will wrap on wood. No fresh <laughs> snow. <clears throat> yes. But I didn't good. say it loud. <laughs> Nope, I didn't hear anything. Good. Um, so any anything else that uh, was interesting? Do you have any cool model building stories from when you were a kid? Mm, no, I can't say. I, unlike you, I didn't blow them up. I, you know. <laughs> well, I did. Uh, there was one that my dad threw out half the kit on me because he was cleaning up the room. And now, yeah, what am I supposed to do? How am I supposed to finish that? Mm. Yeah. Okay. What is your oldest unfinished but started kit? Oh. There's one to throw you for a loop. Yeah, that's not going to come easy. <laughs> do, do you have things that have kind of gone back in the box? Or do yes. you start a kit and 
and run through with it. Gen generally, I start it and finish it, but there's several, well, you know, oh, something shiny over there, and well, we'll work on that, and this one will go back in the box, and it'll stay in the box, and yeah. Oh, gee. Yeah, no, I can't even begin to guess. <laughs> I can't even begin to guess. I have more than a few of those that I, I, I don't really want to think about. I'm sure there has to be something dating from the 90s, let's put it that way. Just, you know, fell victim to changing interests. and I'm not sure any of mine would be quite that old. I think most of my stuff I started in the 90s, I finished. Uh, damn the consequences, though, or what the finish would be, because, uh, yeah, those were... That fin finish was not... Yeah, that's how that's how, you, that's how it was when you were young, but, gee. Well, I wasn't that young, but I had fun. Oh, had now fun. you got that me thinking. That's the, yeah. At the end of the day, that's what this hobby's about, is having fun, I think. And how you have fun is completely up to you. If you want to glue the engine ha engine block halves together and put it back in the box, that's fun, too. <laughs> yeah, I think the, the usual reason for me to abandon a kit was either I broke something or the paint didn't turn out well. And I got discouraged and put it back in the box. Yeah, I, hmm, I, don't, I can't. Again, I can't even begin to. I know I have one that w it has to be at least fifteen. Well, it's more than fifteen years old anyway. Well, there's there's a thought for another show. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that's a thought for another show. Yeah. <laughs> but knowing there was going to be a quiz about this, I would have thought. <laughs> Started working on it a few days ago. That's guy. Okay. I only just thought of the question. Now I apologize. Dang. All right. Uh, anything else interesting from our origin story? I guess. Uh, what about a one-to-one -one cars? Because you're. I, I know you have the Mustang. Uh, how how has building model cars um, affected your love of one-to-one -one cars? Well, uh, my dad wasn't a car guy. All he ever there was only ever two cars that he really lusted after. One would have been a '57 Thunderbird, and given that dad was born in 1940. Yeah, I can totally see that. And over the the last five years, or maybe a bit more of his life, he'd always said he wanted to go for a ride in a Bentley. But of course, me being the car guy, I said, no, Dad, you don't go for a ride in a Bentley. Bentleys are meant to be the driver's car. I want to go for a ride in a Bentley. Okay, well. <laughs> Did he ever get the ride in the Bentley? No, he never got the ride in the Bentley. And... Believe it or not, you know, I being the, the only son, <laughs> I looked into renting a Bentley to take his ashes to the cemetery, and yeah, no, that would have been well over $1,000 for a two-minute drive, and yeah, no, that there's no way that made any sense. Yeah, it would have been, would have been kind of a nice uh, tribute, and I'm sure the fact that you even... Would have been wicked cool as a tribute to Dad, but... It's, that's cool. That's nice. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. What are you going to do? So you're a one-to-one -one car, your Mustang. Did you build a model kit? I think you did, right? Uh, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. With lots of help from two friends, but it exists in scale. And yeah, it'll be at NNL East this year, fully completed. So Very cool. Only three years after I got the car, but I did get the car in late 2016. So, yeah. Couldn't refer to it for reference after it went <laughs> went away for winter storage. <laughs> yeah, one of those things that just uh, blows your mind when you live on the West Coast and drive all year round. Yeah, yeah, see, a Mustang would be perfect for perfect for your weather, but not for my weather. <laughs> yeah, winter wheels and tires would have been another thousand dollars easy. 
on uh, on top of the price of the car. And well, heck, not that I'm yeah, boasting, but that's what it costs for that. my winter car to have winters on it. So, yeah, that's that's uh, that's that's sad that you have to put it away. So, I, I guess on one side, your mileage stays fairly low on those. Yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> It'll be a good collector's car in twenty years' time. <laughs> Uh, did you have any problems replicating your one-to-one car in scale? <laughs> well, let's see. Uh, yeah, just a little bit. With a little bit of help from Bill Goldbach, he designed the proper wheels to replicate what's on my car so they could be printed by Shapeways, which is darn cool because <laughs> sure not what's the sure not what comes in the Ravel kit. And with a little help from Charlie Rowley, I could get the stripes to match what's on my car is I have the, uh, what Ford. Oh, now what do they call them now? I forgot what Ford is calling them, but yeah, the stripes are not that common and they're certainly not in the kit. So yeah, those were two points that help was necessary. I also took it upon myself to add, add side view mirrors to the kit and I modified the front and rear ends to change the kit from a GT to an EcoBoost, which is what I have. Oh, interesting. That sounds like a, a whole lot of work. That must have been a big project. Uh, one of my, yeah, yeah. My mo- one of my most involved projects ever. Learned lots. I'm happy with the results. It hasn't won an award anywhere, but oh well, minor detail. <laughs> it doesn't have to either. It would be nice if it did, but... Did you use custom paint on it, or was that uh, just for you found something close enough in one of the standard paints? Oh no, 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 no! I had to have, I had to have the exact same color as what's on the car. Come on, <laughs> and scale Jameson at scale finishes helped out with some 2016 Ford Competition Orange. Very nice. So yeah, cool. Thank we'll you. have uh, I'll I'll have to try and get a picture of that that we can put in the show notes as well. Mm. Fortunately, I know where you can get those. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure you might. All right. Um, anything else on origin stories uh, or what model cars mean to you? Well, it's, I said it before, I'll say it again. It's the been the one truly positive influence in my whole adult life. And well, I guess technically before that too, but with the advent of finding Scale Auto Enthusiast, followed of course by Scale Auto. Wow. It just blew my mind and made it all the more interesting. I've made friends. I'm sure I've made enemies, but yeah, it doesn't matter because in general it's been, as I said, the one lasting positive influence in my life. Oh, that's cool to have something like that. Uh, let's move on to our Q&A section. So if anybody has... A- we, ha- we have a Q&A section? <laughs> well, we do. Uh, if anybody wants okay. to reach out to us and ask us any questions, if you use the hashtag AskMCP for Model Car Podcast on uh, any of the um, social media feeds, we will get it and we'll check it and we'll throw it into our section. So we on Instagram, we had uh, a, a, a user called Southern Scale and Trail uh, asked us a question uh, on whether we had any advice on chrome pens or paints versus foil, is there one better than the others for specific instances? And do the liquids have any forgiveness if I mess up? And so I think we covered a lot of those questions on the last section, uh, on the last podcast, which went live 
as we're recording this, it went live on Friday, so he may not have had a chance to to listen to that one. Um, is there anything that we should answer that we've not already talked about on there? Uh, I think for forgiveness of the liquids, particularly a Molotov, we talked of, you can scrape it off with a little um, bit of a, a, a sharpened uh, toothpick. Sharpened toothpick. There's not a lot of forgiveness in the alkali paints. Uh, anything else you think we should mention in that, other than suggesting that uh, they go and listen to our previous episode? No, I can't. Yeah, I think we look at the question, think of it as like, no, I think we did all that. I mean, obviously, the only thing that I think we can say is that you'll 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 come to realize that in certain circumstances, one will be better to do a given job than the other. That's that's it, and it's you know, you're, for myself, if you're doing you're doing the window trim on a muscle car, then I want my foil. If I'm doing like a badge on a muscle car, then or maybe the marker lamps, depending, then I'm going to reach my chrome pen. <laughs> yeah, and of course, if you're doing a bumper, forget the foil. <laughs> That's not going to work. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I think we covered that pretty well last time. So, uh, you know, reach out to us if you have any more questions after you listen to the last episode, uh, which would be episode 10. Uh, and we'll include a link to, to, that, to that episode in the show notes as well, just in case you have any difficult, difficulties finding it. All right. Uh, anything that you wanted to bring up before we close off for today, John? I can't say as there is. All right. Well, in that case, we will close off and... Uh, turn off the lights and turn off the fan and go home. Uh, you can find us on our website at modelcar.show. You can find us on social media at modelcarpodcast. That's on Instagram, on Twitter, and on Facebook. If you want to reach out to us, ask us a question, use the hashtag AskMCP. And until next time, thank you very much for listening. Say goodbye, John. Goodbye, John.